This is Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Bibliovile, Nick read Don't Hex with Texas by Shanna Swenson, and I read Deadly Sins from the Mindhunter series by Kylie Brandt. Welcome to Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast. My name is Mick Dickinson. And I'm Susan Dickinson. And welcome to Homecoming Week. It's oh, Homecoming. Oh yeah, baby. Hoco 2021. It's back. What are the uh, what are the dress up days? That was always one of my favorite parts of Homecoming Week was dress up Nerd. days. I, I am... liked dress up days. Well, one of my favorite parts about Homecoming Week was going uh, and getting laid and fucking wasted after the part. Just kidding. That's was, not true. Uh, <laughs> that's not true. All of our listeners know that that's not true. Well, and know. what are the theme days? Well, at my school where I teach, today was Wild Wild West Day. Ooh. So I dressed up as Kevin Klein from the movie Wild Wild West. No, I dressed up as a sheriff. Um, tomorrow is Celebrity Day. Okay. And I'm dressing up as Fix It Felix, who you may notice is not a celebrity, but a character. And to that I answer, shut up. It's close enough. Close enough. We have one, at least one student who's planning on being Kim Kardashian from the famous uh, uh, champagne glass on her butt photo from a magazine. Oh, so dear. Let I'll me be, know how that goes for I'll her. I'll be interested to see how that works. Apparently, she's figured out she's going to get a dress for cheap and then poke a hole in the back of it uh, just big enough to be able to like force the bottom of the glass through so it's always like stuck. Okay. Which sounds like it's it might work. Yeah. We'll see. I'm very interested to see how that is executed. Oh, yeah. And just what what time, what period it gets dress coded. Yeah, exactly. Then uh, Wednesday. Ooh, I think that's Senior Citizen Day. And then dress up like an old person. And then Thursday is Pajama Day, which I will not be participating in. Uh, because in any dress-up day, Finn is underneath the desk for absolutely no reason. In any dress-up day situation, <laughs> if a teacher wants to participate, they always need to keep in the back of their mind, what if I have to yell at a child? Yeah, I feel like your Wild West Day outfit was like, if you have to discipline someone, you can still pull it off in this button-down brown shirt. Yeah, it was a button-down work shirt tucked into jeans. And it kind of looks stupid tucked into jeans from a fashion standpoint, but it made sense as a Wild Wild West standpoint. And then I could still be like, hey, no. And it would be fine. Finn thinks you're talking to him. Now he's really sad. Finn's a good boy. No, he's not. He's wagging his tail. Now he's going to be involved in the show the whole time. Uh, I'd be like that one you guy. You made him sad. I'd be like that one guy from the Air, the Alabama uh, presser. No. So that'd be fun. <laughs> um, but if you Dog don't. Is really, well, really adamant he, to be like right up in our business well, now, now that he's involved. Mick yelled at. Mick yelled at Mick him. yelled at him. Uh, but anyway, one time I had a teacher friend who uh, for Halloween dressed up like Iron Man, complete with like puffy, pillowy muscles faked uh, on a, like a onesie. Yeah. And he had to yell at a kid and the kids started laughing at him. And so ever since then, I have I have avoided uh, any costume that I cannot also be authoritative in. Because pajamas, for- it's just, I might wear a robe. Yeah, because then the if you have to clothes. yell at a kid, you can take the robe off. Yeah. Fix it, Felix. I feel like you can it's still. Once again, just yeah. a work shirt tucked into jeans. It's great. Yeah. Um, but and it is also not that different from what you normally wear exactly. to work, which I is look like fix it, dress Felix. pants with a button-down shirt tucked into it. Yeah. 
Um, and then Senior Citizen Day, I think I'm just going to throw on the card again with a white shirt and a black tie. Too bad you can't bring your pipe. Too bad. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's some pretty explicit rules about tobacco products on school grounds, though. Yeah, tobacco pipe. Anyway, (laughs) what we are doing today is we are going to tell you about our two books that we read. Uh, Well, I would say our two bad books, but... I'm going first, so. Yeah, um, this book was actually picked out for Mick by loyal listener Michelle Johnson. You're fucking up, Michelle. Uh, Michelle um, joined us in town last weekend for an incredibly beautiful baby shower. It was amazing. Susan's. Um, and then she spent the whole weekend in Iowa City. It was really great. And so we took her downtown to see all the sites, including... Uh, Prairie Lights Bookstore, which is one of my favorite places in Iowa City. We got some coffee. We got a cocktail. We, we got some breakfast. I don't mean to turn this into Yelp, but we also went and got a breakfast cocktail. And I have I have doubled down on my dislike of Pullman, yeah. the restaurant, because I got a Bloody Mary. And that shit was just tomato juice. Like, it wasn't like a tomato uh, drink. It was like, no, this tastes like a can of tomato uh, condensed soup. That sounds gross, but I had some plain non-alcoholic orange juice, and Nerd. it was really nice. Um, Back to homecoming again. And of course, we could not bring loyal listener Michelle to Iowa City without showing her the most famous place in town. <laughs> The Iowa City Public Library. So yeah, back we brought her in, and then I immediately put her on the spot as soon as we walked in and was like, what if you picked books for both of us? And she did not seem particularly enthused by that idea, so I scaled it back and said, what if you picked a book for Mick? Lazy bones. Um, well, I had a plan for what I was going to get you, so I'm going to have to do it for next time. Oh. So don't worry, I'll still use my plan. But book one that Michelle picked out that we wound up not going with. Uh, We picked out because, Mick, can you tell the listeners how you feel about the musical Hamilton? How I feel about the musical Hamilton is that it is a school of rock that uh, has caught on like wildfire for God knows what reason. Uh, Hamilton was my favorite founding father because he's an uptight asshole who is the worst at being a person uh, and is an elitist jerk. Uh, Um... But then Hamilton, although credit to Hamilton the musical, he is in the musical an elitist jerk who's up his own ass. So at least they got that one right. But it just, it just sucks, folks. Like Lin Manuel Miranda, I can't listen. He just came and named Lin Manuel Miranda, and he, <laughs> it's just like, oh, get out of here. And it just sounds like some schoolhouse rock bullshit. Where it's like, my name is Zelix, and I'm here to say that I'm gonna rap about the USA, and it's. It's just no good. I understand there's more cast members than Lin-Manuel Miranda and that I need to get over my hatred of theater kids because it's totally the case of the orange paint next to the red paint on the wall where they're a similar color and that's what makes them clash so bad. But still, um, that's how I feel about Hamilton. My new favorite founding father is Governor Morris who uh, had a pig leg and liked to sleep with married women (laughs) and claimed that he wrote the preamble though no one else backed him up on it. Good. I like that. I would I would read a book about Governor Morris. Go, How about should, a rap opera? No, thank you. You should write that book. There you go. There's your November project. I got a pig leg like a bed pig. Oh, no. How about that? <laughs> Margaret. There you, mm-hmm. yeah. there you go. Uh, I'm sure several of the founding fathers were married to someone named Margaret. So, Well, Washington was married to a Martha. Is that close enough? Yeah, close enough. Um, Just but like so Batman. Because oh, right. Mick has such extensive 
Batman married a woman named Martha? No, Batman and Superman's moms were both named Martha. Come on, watch the uh, Zack Snyder verse. Okay. Does that mean they're siblings? No. Oh, okay. Uh, good talk. Um, so because of Mick's intense hatred for Hamilton, one of the first books that Michelle picked out for him was a like novelization of one of the characters in Hamilton the musical. Uh. It was a written post- Hamilton the musical, so I'm assuming it was going to have some of that sort of flair, but I think the thing that you really hate about Hamilton the musical is not the characters, but the rap. I have about 13 different beefs with how you've summarized what has just been uh, given. I love the clicking of dog nails on the hardwood. You can't novelize a character from Hamilton because it was a person. No, but it was like (laughs) very... It was his wife, isn't it? Uh, it was someone else's wife. No, but what I'm trying to get at, it it wasn't just... um, It's not a biography, It wasn't just like, I'm going to write a book about this historical figure. It's, I'm going to write a book about this historical figure because people now are more familiar with her because of the musical. Yeah, but that's like, have you read about Mark? I learned about him from uh, the musical Jesus Christ Superstar, and now I can't get enough of this gospel. I'm not saying that's what I thought of the book. I'm saying that's what I think the author was going Mm. for. And that's why we didn't think Mm. you would like it. But Michelle found a different one. I love Inglorious Bastards of the Movie. Please don't buy me Mein Kampf, the novelization of that Hitler character. So I'm (laughs) done with you. I'm moving on. You knew what I meant. You're trying to make me look dumb. Yeah, it takes a lot of effort. So... (laughs) <laughs> oh that was hurtful you said a silly thing i get to twist your silliness about well silly now things. you hurt my feelings so i'm going to just talk over you and talk about don't hex with texas by shanna swenson so this book should have been a bibliophile slam dunk oh yeah it has a cartoon drawing of a, a wine a, bottle model yeah um, in cowboy boots and a cowboy hat. She's holding a wand. She has fairy wings. There's a toad also in cowboy a boots, a cowboy vest. hat, and a sheriff's vest yeah. who's doing a little jig next to her. I love that little jig. He looks like a Homestar Runner character. I know. He's great. I, lo- I, I hope he's a real character in the book. Nope. Um, the back. Katie Chandler has fled fast-paced Manhattan and returned home to a simpler life, working at her family's feed-and-seed store in Cobb, Texas. Chuck Sounds like a Hallmark movie. Sneed, okay. Sneeds feed-and-seed. In a painfully selfless gesture, Katie had left the sexy wizard Owen Palmer to <laughs> battle his demons in the magical realm. After all, Katie just seemed to attract evil, which only made Owen's job a lot harder. This should have been yeah, that sort of a la- bibliophile slam dunk. That sort of left turn is is hard to to uh, fake because you look at the front and it's like don't hex with Texas and it's like okay sure she's like magic or whatever. That doesn't mean she's like magic or whatever. Yeah. And then you get on the back and it's like skirt wizard. Yeah. So I was very excited that Michelle found this because yeah. again I thought I was I in for it. Thought you were in for it. Yeah. Like for sure. this should have been it. But it apparently was just like, no, that wasn't bad. No, it was not bad at all. If anything, it was too blasé. Which was, again, with that left turn on the back of the book, was not, like, I would not have expected this to be blasé. Yeah, absolutely not. But 
after you go through things like Bear Meets Girl, uh, Hot and Badgered, you go through things like Otherworld, it is tough to go back to Blase. Um, so we want to hop into it, or you, any, you have any specific questions? Well, I feel like even those two sentences that I read from the back of the book were going to need a, a bit of a plot description. Um, so what kind of magical world are we living in here? Very Harry Potter mixed with uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, actually, mm, okay. which is kind of one of the best parts about it is that uh, Katie, our main character, which I only know because she's on the back of the, the cover, she, this is first person past, so point in its favor already. Yeah, not first um, person present. Uh, so I would have forgotten her name totally because she is always I, and it's not the kind of book where everyone's like, Katie, 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 Katie. Um, so this one is very grounded, actually. Uh, Katie has left the hustle bustle of New York where she went to escape from her small town, Texas life, uh, and found out after getting to New York that not only is magic real, but she is magically immune. Which is why she oh, knows magic is real. Okay. Because wizards mostly use some form of illusion to cover the magic that is happening in some fashion. Was there a while when she first got to New York that she just thought people were real friggin' weird? That's sort of the the uh, underlying joke is that like, oh, you know, in New York, everyone's kind of weird up there. So the magic just fits right in. Um, but I did not get a flash of when she found out. That was in a previous book. Oh, Naturally, okay. Michelle is a, an experienced bibliophile consumer. And so she knew how to play. Um, and so she goes back to Texas because Owen, her, uh, it's kind of funny. He's uh, not like perfect. He is short, which is uh, kind of funny given that uh, pro- there are multiple podcasts having the uh, discussion. What's not, the discussion is not the word I want to look for. Oh, the conversation of is yeah. he hot or is he just tall? Yeah, but there's a specific word for it. Uh, a conundrum? No, like a discussion on Twitter is called discourse. The, the discourse. So like probably should have cast, I think, had that, right? Yep. That's where it originated into my feed. So go listen to probably should have. It's a good one. Specifically the episode about King of Staten Island. And the answer is Pete Davidson is not hot. He is just tall. Adam Driver, also just tall. I can see Adam Dreyer before I can see Pete Davidson. Yeah, neither of them are hot. They're just tall. Anyway, we don't want to stop step on their toes because uh, we just want to establish a podcast network. Get at me. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, he is short and black-haired and blue-eyed, which is kind of funny because they go see a Tom Cruise movie. And while they're seeing a Tom Cruise movie, she's only thinking of her bow back in New York, which she had to leave because since she's magically immune, they she got a job at the Microsoft of Magic, as she puts it several oh, times, okay. where Owen works sort of as a developer like he like programs what is spells he de- oh spells okay like, and what so are they he developing like, he like develops spells merlin runs it of course that of merlin course. yeah um but he like owen is one of the more powerful magicians uh in the country he was raised in a he's very uh awkward and he blushes a whole lot but since he's hot it only makes him even cuter and it very much reads as i'm into this guy so he's hot a lot, which is good, mm-hmm. and it's and like although other people are attracted to him, yeah, it is not like he is the most handsome man. I, she does say he's like the hottest one in town, but she's in a small town. So. I I like that for multiple reasons. One because not like it's kind of boring to make your love interest the most stunningly spectacular person in the whole world, but yeah, also it's because. Done. 
they provided a physical description of the love interest, which is not really a bibliophile thing that we normally see. Like he, we know his height, his well, and his eye color is a real eye color. Yes, um, we know his hair color. We like know his vibe. Yeah, it's more than we get from most books. Um, we do get a, a light amount of sort of tomboy making fun of Katie when she goes back to Texas because she works at this like basically I just pictured our local Ace Hardware every time yeah. I was asked to picture it um, and so she's always in like jeans and a t-shirt that she doesn't mind sweating in and has her hair pulled back in a like a falling out kind of ponytail thing and so she misses the glamorous days of New York but her mom who is also magically immune this thing tends to run in families begins to see weird stuff around town and so she katie is now worried that somehow magic has come to town uh calls the home office in new york and they send a gargoyle by the, uh, <laughs> by the name of i believe sam who is sort of like Ooh, I did the noise I really hate. Sorry about that. Um, he's sort of a Rodney the Bone Golem, but okay. like if Rodney's turned to ten on the dial, he's turned down to like a four. Okay. So he's like, How you doing, sweetheart? Is everything going okay around here? He's not like, Hey, I'm Bone Golem over here. <laughs> So that is still kind of fun, but just like everything else, this is very toned down. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no swearing in the entire thing. There are f- several uh, swooning kisses, but never anything too uh, ex- like uh, risque Ooh, okay. or suggestive. So this is very much an up and up mother's fantasy book. Not one of those books where it's like grandma's trying to hide what she's reading. It literally is not that. Uh, I like a swoony kiss kind of romance. That's all right. Yeah, this uh, I wouldn't put it But that I far. do feel like that kind of feeds into your description of, in terms of a bibliophile book, this being kind of blasé. Yeah, and so, like, it's a good book. The characters are characters, and they go through growth. For example, her sister, she has three brothers. Mm-hmm. One of them is a huge nerd that can't stop talking about fertilizer chemistry and stuff. And so, like, one of the first scenes is she has to kind of peel him off of a customer. Uh, The other one is hot and has gotten everything he ever wanted in life. And so he has no skills. Um, And then, actually, she might only have the two brothers now that I think about it. Um, But then each of them has a wife. And so the nerd has a very, like, mom. (laughs) Like, that is her character. Yeah. uh, Kind of wife. And she has a kid. And it's not... You know, that I made it sound very like a textbook or one note. Like, she hands her baby off and always has her on her hip and is working at the same time she has a baby and yeah. stuff. But, like, that's her character is that she's a mom. Because she's, she's a side character and doesn't need a thousand different things about her. Yeah. The other wife is more characterized and she is big, blonde, blowout, uh, wears tight clothes and is always pouring over a counter whenever very, she talks to men. Very Texas. Very Texas sort of. Uh, trying to seduce people, but she's now 35, 39, 40 years old. And, you know, go for it, I guess. But she's also married to the hot brother that, like, so they can't really get their life together because they've always just gotten things off of being yep. hot. And so that's kind of funny. Um, But I guess to skip forward, turns out the hot brother is the wizard that's doing the stuff in uh, the town. Uh, and he has happened upon a advertisement in a magazine that is uh, magically veiled but he can see through the magically veiled advertisement and it's basically for a correspondence course because the villain in this is not trying to take over the world 
He's not trying to raise the dead to like bring back Dortooth the Deathbringer or anything yeah. like that. He's trying to get rich off of selling spells and selling magical training to people without those pesky moral qualms. Whereas the Microsoft of Magic, like, basically has a legal department yeah. to always register wizards, make sure they know the ethics of, like, hey, don't use magic to steal, don't use magic to brainwash people, like, let's stay on the up and up even as we use magic. So that's that's the stakes we're looking at, is a con man, which is bad, it's illegal, but still, like, it was kind it of nice. It is much lower stakes than bringing about the end of the world. Yeah, it's it's the opposite of the more the Marvel problem, where every single movie they have has to have a gigantic portal, yeah. where like we have to literally save the entire planet, and then there's a sequel, and you're like, what? Where do we go from there? Yeah, and, and then there's an entire universe of like 25 movies where the world just keeps having to be saved again and again and again so it was kind of nice to lower the stakes down to the very personal level uh there is a little bit of magical dueling at the very end but it is not that the ministry of magic will fall Mm -hmm. and neo will die it is that this guy might get to keep like teaching people how to rob using magic and it might expose magic which is bad but the main thing is like, hey, don't use magic like that. So yeah. that's like the conflict. Don't be a con nice. man. And so Owen comes to town and we're led to believe that he has been assigned to town because he's like, okay, our cover story is that I'm here as your boyfriend. And she's like, oh, cover story. Okay. Yeah. Gets a little dejected. and Because she left him to, to uh, give him nothing to hold on to in New York because the bad guy basically realized he loved her and was willing to like use her as a hostage or whatnot. Yeah. Um, and so... We find out that he was not assigned and he want Awald to come with her and he's actually in trouble. And then they find out it's the brother through too many detective scenes, if we're being honest. Yeah. Um, uh, and then they contact the con man who had a pretty good con man wizard name. They're all they're all basically like kind of coded as neckbeard incels. Uh, everybody who uh, is into the new sort of correspondence magic is like people who couldn't get their life together, which is why Dean is one of the hottest people in this, but he can't really get his life together. Uh, and so I believe it's, oh man, I wrote it down, but I don't have my notes. Something like Idris Phalon or something like that, <laughs> or Phalon Idris or one of those things. It's a very good nerd wizard yeah. name. It, it really does the Venn diagram between nerd and wizard. Uh, comes to town and he brings a couple other people to town to try and get Owen, whether that's to kill him or just defeat him. We don't really read it or like get a read on it. Uh, and then it turns out he's like in deep to the magical mob, like he's uh, this this bad guy is, and so he he basically goes states evidence by the end of the book. So all all in good fun. It oh, was, yeah, was moment say, to it moment. It sounds like fun and nice. It does not sound like it was painful to read it was definitely not painful to read it is not bonkers yeah it was not especially fun to read either it was sort of just like hey yeah book and it was well written like sherry goes from being this the the uh texas blowout uh sister-in-law yeah Yeah. sister-in-law goes from being this like lazy bones uh shirker that is always trying to get out of stuff to when Dean starts bringing home all this expensive stuff, she's like, I love it, but we don't have the money for this. And then when she finds out it's stolen, she kicks him out of the house and starts trying to earn some honest money around here. And so she, like, even the side character goes through a relatively good character arc. And so, well written, just, you know, my tolerance is too high for books like this. I I, read, I have to read two books like this a day just to feel normal now. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, so this was a good book, which made it bad for Bibliophile. Kinda. It was not like... Like a, co- like a fine a book. A competent book. Yeah. yeah. It didn't blow my socks off. I'm not going to recommend it at a book club like I literally have for Hot and Badger. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's uh, Don't Hex with Texas. Uh, a pretty good uh, title as well. So good work all around, Miss Swendenson. Shanna Swendenson. Oh my gosh. What terrible sticker placement. I know. On the front cover, Shanda, or Shanna. Sh- Shanna is covered and only Swendenson pokes out. And on the spine, Shanna is out, but Swendenson is covered up. That's terrible. Um, I am really disappointed that the the frog in the cowboy boots doing a jig was not an actual character. Yeah, I, th- I, I, don't, love know if him. That's, I don't know if that's supposed to be the, the uh, uh, gargoyle, but the gargoyle has wings. So the, no, yeah, that's the little... definitely a frog. No, it's a gremlin, I think. He even has glasses on. It's a frog. Frogs don't have glasses. He's adorable. Gremlins I love have him. Glasses. Yeah, I yeah. love him. He's great. He does look like a Homestar Runner character, though. So, Mick, you got right. me a book called Deadly Sins. I... From the Mindhunter series. I did indeed. And there were several from the Mindhunter series, some of which looked worse. But I <laughs> could not resist getting you a book with the absolute zero of a name, Deadly, Deadly Sins. Sins. This sounds like something our book generator would have spit out two years ago. Basically, yeah. Um, it was not Midnight Sins level bad. Oh, nothing. It candy. wasn't Don't Hex with Texas level fine. But it was more on the don't hex with Texas level. It was pretty bland. You did shake your head a lot while reading it, though. So, no, I have some things to say. I mean, don't worry about that. It just wasn't like... So, this is an FBI thriller romance. And you had gotten me an FBI thriller romance not long ago. I legitimately was like, is this in the same... Because I can't remember who wrote it. So, I was like, is this in the same series? I would have told you because I actually read that entire series. You did not. I did. Oh, Susan I did. I read the whole series. They were actually pretty good. You did. I haven't been reading nearly as much anymore. More. I that. Go fire emblem. Um. So, I was it's about a, the same amount of reading. To be fair, yeah, probably. I was a little <laughs> bit like, maybe this is gonna be good. It definitely was not as good as. Not that those were particularly great, but it wasn't as good as those. Um. It was mostly just fine. Uh. I have some definite issues with the characters and trying to force this to be a romance, but I'll get to that. Um, For now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the plot. So essentially, I mean, it's a, there's a bad boy who is a great investigator and. He doesn't play by the rules. He doesn't play by the rules. He was in the FBI, but then he left the FBI and now he's like an independent um, investigator. He has his own company and a family friend of his, who is a U.S. senator, is murdered. And so the U.S. senator's wife pulls some strings to make sure that this guy, Adam Riker, is on the investigation, which Perfect. is being handled yeah. by the FBI with help from, like, all of the rest of the federal agencies. So... We start off the bat being completely unbelievable because do you really think that because a senator's wife, she is presented as also being a a powerful lawyer in her own right, but at the same time, like, this citizen, this non-governmental person 
is going to get to pull some strings and the FBI is just going to let this non-government official uh, join their case? Yeah, well, it depends on what those strings are. Does she go she to just the same asks. tennis club? No, she just like calls some people and asks. She does not like there is not money involved. She's like, I just want this guy on here. Mm, yeah. If it was like they're in the same tennis club or they went to the same private school... Or like that's how I, a lot of things happen in America. I have You're a right. Webcam video of your vinegar strokes, like that whole thing. Yeah, that could happen. Um, but here's a, a little bit about our protagonist, Adam Riker. She watched him no now from the corner of her eye as they stood waiting for the elevator doors to open. He'd despise sympathy, so she allowed herself to feel none at his altered appearance. He was uh, almost murdered um, eight years ago. His hair was still dark, his remaining eye a vivid laser blue. Ooh, he's got an eye patch. The black eye patch covering the other gave him the look of a modern-day pirate. (laughs) John LaCroix had been responsible for its loss eight years ago, as well as the scars that marked Adam. The nerve damage that had resulted from the wounds to his leg had him relying on a cane for support, and she knew him well enough to realize how much he must hate that. Is this dude Mad-Eye Moody from Harry Potter? Or Dan Electric blue eye? Peg, like, walks with a limp? Like, it it feels like this is a book about Mad-Eye Moody. Hey, if it's a romance, Lisa's not ableist. True. Yeah, he'd be a villain in most books. I suppose you're right. So he gets put on the case. Uh, one of the FBI agents on the case with him. I yes, do want to ask a question. You said he was the protagonist, but he was being described in the third person in a first, uh, in a from another's perspective. Yes, we alternate between Ugh. the perspectives of our two main characters, Adam Riker and his uh, FBI agent partner but also former romantic partner jade so when they were in the fbi together uh what's her last name jade marlowe when they were in the fbi together 10 years ago um they were lovers and then he pushed her away and broke up with her because he couldn't give her what she really needed and then very shortly after he was almost murdered by this LaCroix person and was tortured. And then she's still in the FBI and he set up on his own and blah, blah, blah. Do you know what he couldn't give her in that relationship? What's that? Quantico OOs. Oh, jeez. I think that might be the CIA, but whatever. Who cares? But here's another. He didn't have the, no, Langley is CIA. So I got it right. Quantico. Nice. Uh, One of the things that adds a little extra mystery to our main characters is that Jade has a son who is seven years old, which was uh, the timing would have been almost exactly right for this child, Royce, to have been Adam's kid and he just never knew. Like Jade just never told him that he's the father. So like that adds an element of mystery to it. I bet he's not. Um, you're right. He's not. So there's just, I don't know, a lot of things. So in, in addition to figuring out who murdered the senator, they're also trying to like untangle their own past. Um, and one of their friend, like mutual friends blames what happened to Adam on them breaking up. And he says, 
LaCroix didn't end jaded me, he said shortly. He'd started that process himself in the weeks before his capture by the savage child killer. Everything in his life changed after he killed the pedophile and landed in the CCU for the next several months, but not him and Jade. They'd been over before that. She'd just taken a bit more convincing. Oh, thank God he killed that criminal and didn't take him to trial. Uh-huh, exactly. Um, one, one sentence that I wrote down because it is baffling to me. Odds are a simple matter of probability. Those are two different things. Not really, no. They're the exact same thing, which is what makes it hilarious. And sooner or later, fate always seemed to find a way to even the score. A score is different than odds or probability. Like, what are you talking about? No, it's not. This is this is hilarious because it's so obvious, not because it's different. Well, just like you don't need all three of the. They're treating all three of these things like it's a complicated metaphor. Oh yeah, that's fair. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're, yeah. they're saying like odds are a matter of chance, but sometimes on a long enough timeline that chance happens. Like like what? Why do we need like this? Isn't actually a metaphor for anything. Yeah, you're just saying that. You may be on a hot streak now, but the house always wins because the odds are with the house to win the odds. <laughs> Why did we need this entire sentence, to be completely honest hey, with you? you. Know what I tell my students? What's that? That I think more people should learn. Efficient writing is effective writing. And brevity is wit. Brevity is dot, 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 wit. Wit. <laughs> um, this, a couple of things that I thought were annoying about this book. So... Th- Jade, our main female character, the author is constantly complimenting Jade on being like, she's this badass female FBI detective and she's succeeding in this field that's dominated by men. Can I guess what she wears? What does she wear? Does she wear like a button down blazer or button down shirt with a blazer over it and some tight office pants? Uh, yes to the button down shirt and the blazer. She, We do not objectify her too much in terms of her clothes. We actually don't describe her physical appearance hardly at all. But the funny thing about this is that for being so insistent that like our we have a female protagonist who's a badass, like I know this isn't really a real thing that actually matters, but like this book doesn't pass the Bechdel test. There is essentially one female character and it's Jade. The other two female characters that are even mentioned are the senator's wife and Jade's mom who takes care of her child while Jade is at work. Like, it it just is very, like... Well, she's in a man's world. You didn't see a lot of women in Aaron Brockovich. Oh, yeah, you're right. Except, so it's just wait. not, like, it just feels really false when they throw in these lines about, like, she's such a badass. Like, okay, but she's also not really a three-dimensional character, so not a great job there. Yes, Nick. I was just thinking about the the you know uh, Hollywood's perfect uh, badass woman character would be someone who kicks open a door while holding a baby on her hip. Yeah, <laughs> I I do appreciate she that. Has like to be both, she being both is cool. She is struggling throughout the whole book to like be there for her kid, and she's constantly feeling guilty about like not being home, and she hardly gets to spend time with him when she's on a case and all this stuff. So it's not this like. She's a badass and she can do it all kind of thing. But it's still just kind of annoying. Uh, Do you want to hear a little bit from the sex scenes? Not really, but I'm pretty sure you're about to start. He brushed his thumb across her soft skin, relished the evidence of her response, replaced his thumb with his lips a moment later, and felt his own pulse rev in reaction. 
She could always do that to him. His free hand went to her waist, fingered the filmy turquoise material of her blouse, felt the warm promise of flesh beneath. She made him want until the hunger was raging in his blood. Oh, God, I'm having Fueling the addiction in his system. Therein had lain her danger. Ooh, that last one sounds Yeah. For a man used to keeping a tight leash on his control, losing it with her, relishing its loss, was as frightening as it was intoxicating. Okay. Resisting her as long as he had years ago should have qualified him for sainthood. He nipped at her throat lightly with his teeth, and she softened against him. Two things. <laughs> Number one, I do appreciate the sort of train going into a tunnel innuendo of fingering at the soft material of her blouse. Yeah. And feeling the warm promise of flesh mm-hmm. beneath it's like <laughs> wink secondly how do you te- keep a tight leash on his control the control is the, the leash. leash yes that that is part of the reason why i selected that particular paragraph this, to read aloud this keeps to you having a metaphor that uses itself as a metaphor i know my favorite was therein had lain her oh, yeah. danger that's just like <laughs> why thus he came abrupt Again, like the (laughs) odds probability score thing, like, why did we need this sentence? I don't know. Odds probability score sounds like one of those fucking awful basketball statistics you get shoved in your face, (laughs) and you're like, what the hell does that even mean? (laughs) Do they win or not? Just tell me. Um, Turns out Jade's son is actually her dad's kid that she adopted because her dad was dying, and the people who killed Royce's mom were going to murder Royce. Ah, that classic hero's journey. Don't know why they were going to murder Royce. That might be the next book. TBD. Maybe I'll get that one for you later on so we can find out what the deal is with Royce. No, it's not important. Yeah, so she is his sister mom, I guess, but she can't tell. She tells TLC. She tells um, what's the what's the main character guy's name? Adam. This Adam, I'm Adam about Royce because she wants him to understand that Royce is not his kid and she wasn't lying to him all these years. But she can't tell her own mom because her own mom raises Royce while she's at work, and her mom wouldn't want to raise Royce if he knew that he was Jade's dad's son because she hates Jade's dad. Or was it divorce? Post divorce. Ah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Wow, there's... that makes her mother not great. I mean, I get it in like an emotional, mm-hmm. like gut punch sort of way. But like, hey, you already love this kid for the kid that the kid is. Yeah. That should probably be a conversation. Yeah, but it's not. Um, oh, well. So then we figure out. So there are multiple murders that happened beyond just the senator. There are some other people in town that are killed, including a cardinal and each of them at the scene of the crime near the body is placed a note card with one of the seven deadly sins in it, which is just the movie Seven. Yes. It even explicitly references the movie Seven, so it's not even like <laughs> subtle about where they picked up this idea. It's like, hey, you know that movie Seven? He's, he's barricaded himself in the top of a skyscraper like Die Hard. Yeah, we're doing this thing too. What's in the box? So, um, yeah. <laughs> then... What was the senator's one? Pride. Wrath. I don't remember. I think it was Pride. Woo! Um, we don't have seven deaths, though. We only have five before we get to, like, the climax. And then Wrath. we figure out throughout that we have... 
there's a connection between the DC killer, which is what they call this person, and um, also people are attacking Adam's home and, like, trying to kill Adam, and we figure out that it's the same person that's responsible for the attacks on Adam and the... um, the killings, and it's also somehow tied to LaCroix and the LaCroix case from back in the day. Well, LaCroix can't be gluttony because it's basically no flavor at all. (laughs) Oh, no. LaCroix is definitely dead, so it's not actually him, but it's connected to that somehow. I know. Seltzers are kind of falling out of favor. (laughs) Hey, I really like seltzers. Seltzers are very important to people who don't drink alcohol. Um, We got a turnip. Is that good for you? Is that good for you? People who drink completely forget how to act around people who don't drink. Um, so this is just a little bit of a, a very simple explanation of what happened after Adam killed LaCroix and how Adam wound up with enough money to run his uh, private investigation firm. When I was well enough, Polly, who's his business partner, hey. exactly that is that is who Polly is, told me what he'd done. He'd been working the case too, tracking Lacroix's finances. The man had overseas accounts under several different names. Some of the boys he kidnapped, he killed; others he sold. I imagine those boys were the source of the money. We never figured out any other avenue for I'm it. I'm trafficking it. Then Polly erased traces of the accounts, transferred the money to other banks under other names, and gradually surrounded the finances with an impenetrable fire wall and then he put it all in my name i could do good with that kind of money he said he knew it wasn't safe in his hands but together we could build something that would help bring men like Lacroix to justice so they stole money from a criminal who trafficked children i'm profiting from trafficking here took the money and instead of giving it you know directly to victims or anything like that recompense it was used to purchase very expensive technology and several buildings, including a safe house, so that Adam could become a private investigator and also be independently wealthy. Siri, what's late capitalism? <laughs> just kidding. That's just capitalism. Um, We find out that the killer is actually... Uh, someone in the FBI who works with Jade. No, that can't be true. They're the good guys. They're Susan. the good guys. And That's why they had to kill him. Okay. He was ta- he was uh, going after Adam because Adam was the one who got Lacroix when he was supposed to be going after Lacroix, and he got demoted and sent to North Dakota. The worst punishment. Of and then there was just man. a whole bunch of other stuff. Whatever. But here's some of my issues with this book. Again. I really don't feel like the FBI and the CIA would just, like, let a private investigator, like, barge in on a case. I just don't, I don't know. I, I don't think you're still stuck in the, the, the sort of, I don't want to say brainwashing, but the, the sort of attitude towards these agencies that they are good or competent at their job. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying they're not going to share their information or the glory of solving a case with some outsider. I don't know. That's how I feel. Um, Reign of Terror by Spencer Ackerman. Yeah, so Tom Shepard, Jade's partner from the FBI, was These the bad names- guy. I hate this book. These names, I have to say, fit just they mwah. Do. Yeah. They fit in this Tom Shepard fits really well. Um, the biggest beef I had is that this was sold as like a romantic thriller. And I'm not saying it's because like the main male character isn't conventionally attractive or whatever. There's just no chemistry 
written into the book between the two main characters. Like, there's no flirtation. There's no hitting like, boners. No, no lip, there's no nothing. Biting. There's no there's no conversation. There's no emotion there. The only reason that we know that there is something there is because she keeps referencing in her exposition that they used to date 10 years ago. And that's it. There's no like, and I always wondered what might have been or there's no, he's, you know, she's his biggest regret. Like there's nothing. There's no emotional or physical chemistry between these characters at all. Does he keep an eye patch on when they do it? Probably. I um, we get a physical description of him, but not of her. Like, are they hot? Are they attracted to each other? Do they like each other? Do they enjoy each other's company? They bone a couple times. That's as far as we get. Well, but then, of course, they wind up together in the end, and they're going to get married. And he's going to ra- raise Royce as his own son. Yeah, his uh, his wife's... Father-in-law's bastard his, child. Yeah, his wife's brother slash son. So yeah, this was, it was like, it was fine. It wasn't anything really, like there were annoying things about it, but it wasn't, I was not horrified by this book. Dang it. Um, It just wasn't, I don't know, the writing was really clunky and weird. Like therein lies the whatever it said in the sex scene that was clunky and weird. Uh, well, turn about this fair play, so I don't know. <laughs> why do we, relates. yeah, why do we need that? We don't. Um, so that was Deadly Sins. Uh, apparently, it's called The Mind Hunters because his main skill, Adams, is that he's a great psychological profiler. Gross. I don't believe that such a skill set exists. Um, but that is going to do it for this week of Bibliovile. My name is Mick Dickinson. You can find me on Twitter at Dickymon. You can find the podcast at Bibliovile. I'm Susan Dickinson, and you can find me on Twitter at Susan J. That's S with three U's, S-A-N-J. The intro music to our podcast is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. Happy homecoming.